spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. I actually love that title. I don't know if I've told my audience here, but I got that title because people kept calling me The Brain Lady, and that was taken. And since I travel all over the world working with all kinds of brain disorders, and especially autism, I think being The Brain Abroad (laughs) makes a lot of sense. And so I've grown really accustomed to it, and I really enjoy it. But the word broad has some negative connotations for a lot of, especially people around my age, and especially the men. They're like, I can't believe you would bring your brand down like that. And I bring that up because I, right off the top of the show, want to remind you that everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a way of looking at stuff, and there's always somebody who wants to make a problem out of a thing instead of seeing the problem that really is there. That's going to be relevant to you in a minute. All right. <coughs> Excuse me, i got to clear my throat. <coughs> um, we're going to stay to the very end of the show, aren't we, audience? Because that's when I'm going to do stories from the road. And we're going to forego the great guest giveaway today because I am absolutely positive we're going to be hanging on the edge of our seats and talking like crazy today. And I just don't have time for somebody else. And I'm not going to be that somebody else and give you one of my things away because I'm running out of stuff at this point. So we're just going to focus on the primary guest, and she's going to be the one, the only Ginger Taylor. I'm really excited about this. I've actually been trying and trying and trying to interview someone on this subject so I'm really thrilled to have Ginger join us. So usually I ask people, just give me like two sentences of the most important thing that you want said about you, and that's how I'll introduce you. Because you know, guys, I like to keep it really informal and friendly. And, um, and that's usually how it goes. But sometimes you're just really excited by somebody's bio. So you're going to have to let me read this because I love her bio so much. And it sets up what the show is going to be about. So Ginger Taylor is an author, speaker, new media writer, and activist. She writes on the politics of autism, health, vaccination, informed consent, and both corporate and government corruption. Oh, I know, I know, I don't usually get political. I try to just share stories and give you information. But, you know, the truth is sometimes you got to talk about what's broken if you want to fix it. So I always bring information. Today we're going to bring it at hyperspeed. She's the co-founder of Canary Party. Ginger's a former marriage and family therapist counselor specializing in in adolescent and family therapy. She holds a master's degree in clinical counseling from John Hopkins University, so she's no slouch is the point. And her son Chandler regressed into autism following his 18-month vaccination, which means she's one of us. 
and we're going to really talk and find out what really happened. I'm going to finish this up, and then I'm going to say hello to her. In 2009, she served... You can tell I'm not used to reading, right? I always do this show off the cuff. I don't usually read. Okay, in 2009, she served on the steering committee of the first Maine CDC Autism Conference to educate medical professionals on the current state of research and treatment of autism. Ginger's the co director of the Maine Coalition for Vaccine Choice and has authored legislation on vaccination adopted by the state of Maine. She's a co-author and contributing editor of the book Vaccine Epidemic, How Corporate Greed Bias Science and Coerced Governments Threat Oh Coercive Government Threaten Our Human Rights, Our Health and Our Children. Maybe she'll give one of those away. That'd be cool. Uh, Ginger was honored with the Health Freedom Hero Award for two thousand and fourteen from the National Health Federation for her work on health choice and parental rights. So she's a heavyweight. I'm exact I'm excited to have her here and I really want to talk as well as about everything, I want to talk about the movie Vaxed. I know she's been seeing it and, and trying to get it out there. So welcome to the show, Ginger. Thank you for being willing to join us. Thank you so much for such a nice intro. That was lovely. <laughs> Except for the part where I stumbled over everything because, you know, <laughs> I really I really usually just chat. But um, here we are, and this is how we're going to do it. I'm just going to stumble sometimes, and you're just going to fill in all the information. <laughs> so that'll be, you know, exactly what they expect of me. So, Ginger, let's start with just quickly your backstory. So your son is autistic. Yes, um, he was born about a month early, but healthy. And um, when he was three weeks old, about a week before his due date, he was given the hepatitis B vaccine and had a reaction, although neither myself nor my doctors recognized it as such. He had, um, you know, fevers and colic and um, actually uh, constipation that ended up lasting for two years. And I was was like, hey, what's going on with my kid? And my doctor said, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Um, but really, but it was the beginning of it was kind of my warning sign that I wish I would have known how to pay attention to, that he was, you know, a child who was sensitive and should have been vaccinated differently, if at all. Um, but we continued vaccinating him according to, this, to the schedule. We got a little bit behind, but he's pretty much vaccinated according to the schedule. And then um, after his 18-month vaccinations, he uh, stopped saying mommy and daddy and lost his words and lost his eye contact and stopped responding to us. And And I spent about six months trying to talk myself out of there being something wrong until somebody else finally said something to me that, you know, they noticed things weren't right. And I had to I had to, fest, I had to kind of face it and got out my DSM and started watching him and, and looking at the signs for autism, and they were all there, and we received a diagnosis. And um, within um, a, a couple weeks, and we drove straight into it. I'm, the weekend we got the diagnosis, my husband was at the uh, doctor's appointment uh, with, you know, getting on the evaluation, and I was at a conference already um, talk, calling in by phone to talk to the doctors so I could learn about how to help my son because he had been healthy and he had been okay, and something happened. So I knew that there was something I could do to help him get better again. Um, so we dove right in and, and um, you know, was tried the gluten-free, casein-free diet, and was the first thing we tried. I was very overwhelmed my girl, with all the possibilities of things you can try, and my girlfriend said, you know what, pick two. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pick two. So I tried GFCF and uh, fish oil. I figured I can manage two things. Um, we tried him on the GFCF diet, and within 48 hours, he was answering to his name again, and he started to make eye contact again. And he had the first normal bowel movements he had in two years. And yeah, I, I want to interrupt you right there because I just really want to underscore that. 
I've, I've posted this so many times. If your child is a little one and stops pooping, it's important. It's important. And I just, I can't tell you how often that's one of the symptoms and it just keeps on getting, you know, stool softeners and everything thrown at it. So I just wanted to underline that. Keep, go on. Yeah, and I had gotten, um, you know, one of the first things I did when I, you know, knew this was a possibility and, and my doctor said the A word for the first time, um, is I got online and I immediately ran into a mother. I'd love to know who she was, um, but it's, you know, kind of lost to the, to the Yahoo groups of the, of the dark ages. And she said, you know, um, I said, I just got to, you know, I just... Thank my, you know, found out my son probably has autism, and she said, you know, do yourself a favor, look into dietary interventions. You know, does he have eczema? Does he have constipation? Does he have, you know? And she started to list several things, and I thought, well, are you a witch? How do you know these things about my child? And she's, and she said, these are the things that we all saw in our kids before they, before they started regressing. So, do yourself a favor, look into this diet. Um, hold off on any more vaccines until you know more. Uh, look at, you know, look at his surroundings. And try to, she kind of pointed me in the right direction. I'm incredibly grateful to this mom because she got me started off, you know, kind of day one thinking about his health and and how it's impacting his functioning. And so, you know, the diet worked, and I. Um, called my pediatrician very excitedly and said, hey, you know, this is what happened. He must be one of these kids that they're talking about that can be helped. Um, this is in 2004, um, where it was very early, you know, dietary stuff. It was, you know, people weren't trying dietary intervention yet. Um, and it was kind of rare and just circular in the Yahoo groups and, you know, in, you know, small Dan conventions. And, and my pediatrician, he couldn't really hear me. I, I, you know, he, he said, oh, I've had other people who've tried the diet and, uh, it doesn't really work for them. And so I kind of repeated myself. I was like, no, 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 it, it worked for Chandler though. So, I kept expecting to say, oh, well, then, then we should look at trying this or testing for that. Or, um, but he, I told him kind of three times on the phone, and he just couldn't go there with me. And eventually, after about three more conversations with him on, you know, what impacts the vaccines might have, him not being able to answer the questions I have about um, vaccine reactions uh, and about kind of what could potentially help my son get better, um, I just stopped listening to him. I said, you know, he can't go on this journey with me for whatever reason, so it's time for me to plow forward on, our, on my own. Um, and so we went down the biomed course of, um, you know, finding out he had lead and mercury and detoxing him and finding out about, you know, the type of mineral deficiencies and, and vitamin deficiencies he had and, and, and plugging those in. And um, and we, for over the first year, we got him um, almost halfway back. And, I you know, I feel like we've got him more than halfway back over, you know, the time since then. He's 14 now, and he's... Um, after going through, you know, all the problems with wandering and, and, you know, breaking out of the house and breaking windows and having, you know, just kind of living the life of chaos for so many years, um, he's doing wonderfully. He's one of the happiest people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, kind of our, one of our biggest problems is that he giggles all the time. And so we have to get him to take things seriously and, and, um, just a joy to be around. Um, very, you know, just lovely boy. His speech is still pretty impaired. Um, so you, he's 14, but sometimes you feel like you're talking to a five or six year old. Um, yet he has, you know, he's got all A's and a B in uh, school at the end of the school year. So it's um, he's he's that differently abled kid where he's got some great, you know, deficiencies in other places and great advanced things in other places. And and we're really grateful that he's come as far as he has because he's a happy kid and he's not an anxious kid and he's not a SIB kid anymore. And he's, you know, 
he's done great. And so we're as, as difficult as the biomed route was, I'm very grateful that we did it because he, he's got a really good quality of life now. Um, you know, we want to keep getting him farther, so we'll see where that goes. Um, okay, let me slow you down. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hooray. We're really happy. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear your story. has got such a nice trajectory. Um, I also hear a train in the background or something. Is there some way we can... You know what? There's a very loud air conditioner. Let me just turn it off. It probably just kicked in part when you were talking. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, there we go. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that was it. Yay. Okay. So we're going to cook her. Uh, we're going to cook our guest because we want to be able to hear her clearly because she has so much good stuff to say. All right. So we get that you're a, a real mom with a real story and had a real purpose for discovering all this stuff. And my first question, I want to I pop us over to a little bit more of this sort of, um, you know, we all have our soapbox. But I remember when my kids were young Reading an article, there was a Down syndrome girl, and the parents had gotten very, you know, political about not being able to school her properly and got a lot of newspapers involved and stuff, and were running, they were having a lawsuit and all this. And I remember reading that and realizing the amount of time and energy that would take and deciding not to go that route so that I could go the route of the hands-on with my kids because I felt like it would split me in two. So I'm always very admiring of parents that can multitask this journey. I I did it one thing at a time. First I did the kids, then I, you know, they grew up, and then I started doing this speaking out and writing and everything. So um, my hat's off to you. Let's talk a little about about the trade-off in that and where your passion is coming from um, to be doing so many things out out loud. Uh, well, you know the trade-off is there's there's a lot there's a, there's a, there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of things that have gone by the wayside and and you know I, twelve years later there's things I regret that I did not pay better attention to and yet the you know the kind of the drive to not see what happened to my son happen to other children um, is strong you know so when I started seeing Chandler get better and his quality of life improved vastly uh, you know over a short period of time and you know can became very passionate about making sure parents knew that this was an option and and in a time especially when people were even discouraged from just removing gluten from the diet and what what kind of crazy gluten-free diet are you doing which is you know now is you can't go to walk into a, a pizza store anywhere without having a gluten-free option available um so it, it, you know the the quality you know you want quality of life for your kids and I, we wanted it for other kids. So it was, I was kind of raised in a military family where we have this very much duty on our country um, <clears throat> imposed on us from the time of birth. So I felt like, it, you know, it's part of my duty is I have to speak up for both for what made these kids better and preventing them from getting sick in the first place when there are things that we could do to prevent some of this, like screening kids better, like teaching doctors how to recognize the, the at-risk kids um, and in step in before they hit the tipping point where neurological symptoms are occurring and before autoimmune disorders that last for a lifetime set in. So um, I feel like I have not balanced it very well. And, of course, as autism moms, um, I've done it at the expense of my health and my career, as as we are so famous for doing. Um, so I'm still learning about balance stuff and, and trying to, to, to get a good balance on that. But um, But I feel like 
the, the times that we live in demand, um, because there are so many sick kids, not just autism, but, you know, all the associated disorders and all the immune disorders and all the developmental disabilities and all the chronic illness and allergies, and that we really have to, we have to save ourselves. We have to save our kids. Um, so in the, in the, the most difficult part of that fight is the vaccine fight, um, because of the liability protection that the industry has and because of the foothold that it has, um, that, you know, it's, it's the most difficult place to reform. So I feel like it's the place we have that I have to focus my energy because it's, um, it's kind of like the strongest link, you know, we can go toward the weakest, weakest link, but once we set that right, I think a lot of things are going to start setting right for more kids and we're going to prevent a lot of disability and, and when we find the balance point on that. So, um, you know, and the story, and you, you know, I know you focus on stories. So like, as we get into the, the, the idea of, of Vaxxed and the corruption story of that film, um, I don't know how many of your listeners kind of understand the story because we haven't been given, we've been given this alternate narrative of, you know, autism's always been around and, and there's, there was never any link between vaccines and autism. But the story really is that, you know, start, autism we, wasn't... Before you even go there, can we make oh, sure, sure that everyone knows what vaxxed is? And I'm sure okay. they do, but just in case. Um, sure. So one of my, one of the things I wanted to do is interview someone related to vaxxed. Vaxxed is a documentary that's out right now, and there's been all kinds of controversy surrounding it. It's been pulled from some festivals and things like that. So um, that's what Ginger's referring to. Okay? Now go. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we have in the story of... How we got to the point where we have, you know, at least a one in 68 kids with autism. We have 54% of kids in country, in this country have a developmental disability or a chronic illness. Um, you know, we, we have this explosion of, of childhood health and, and development problems um, that really, you know, started kind of in the early 20th century and has slowly grown, you know, as we've become more industrialized and more, um, exposed chemically to, you know, something like 60,000 chemicals that our great-grandparents never came in contact with and the layering effect of everything we're doing and the antibiotics. We've seen this decline in children's health. Um, you know, we saw autism kind of didn't come into the uh, medical literature until 1943, and he, uh, the, you know, Johns Hopkins could only find 11 cases over the course of eight years. And then, you know, for about 40 years, we had an autism rate of, you know, somewhere between one and three and ten thousand, and then we had this beginning of this dramatic, you know, hockey stick uptake, um, beginning in with children born in um, nineteen eighty eight and ninety one. We had this big uptake, and then this slow, steady, not even slow, this dramatic um, and steady increase in the autism rates, along with autoimmune rates and other developmental disability rates, to the point where now, you know, we have. One to two percent of the population has an autism diagnosis, and you know, and we, and at this point, we know it's not an, an artifact of the um, of statistics or better diagnosing. You know, the science is really showing this is real, and we have a consensus paper out of many scientists saying this is real. Um, and the hockey stick effect, that dramatic increase with the kids who are born in nineteen, you know, eighty six to eighty eight to ninety one. Um, follows the, you know, kind of shocking law that was passed in 1986, uh, where vaccine manufacturers went to Congress and they lobbied for four years to have their, um, to, get, to gain liability protection. 
so that no one in this country, not doctors, not vaccine makers, not the government, no one, no one involved in vaccination can be sued uh, when a child or an adult is harmed or killed by a vaccine. Um, and this is, you know, this was a jackpot for for the pharmaceutical industry. So they began to pour money into research and development for vaccines. And I'm turning sorry, off, I didn't know that. I don't know how I didn't know that, but it's disgusting. Yeah, so, and, and too many people don't know that, and they don't understand that. And when they hear that, it takes a little while to wrap your brain around the idea that we have a whole industry that has been given permission to legally kill babies and that has no consequences for it. Um, and you think about what the impacts of that will be. Well, of course it will be that they will make cheaper products. Of course they're going to want to pour that you know, money into that because the, because the industry suddenly had a, uh, a, a product line which they – not only couldn't be sued for when it killed people, um, that, but that the government sold for them through school vaccine mandates. Um, okay. All right. Slow down. I got to do the mid-break. This is getting hot. All right. You're listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Make sure you stay to the very end of the show where we will do stories from the road. I'm on the edge of my seat already. We're talking with Ginger Taylor. She's executive leadership team, healthchoice.com or something here. Let me look. Healthchoice.org. And we'll make sure she tells you how to get a hold of her at the end of the show. So make sure you stay there with us. Um, Wonderful, wonderful guest, full of information. We're just going to jump right back in. We're talking about some of the political ramifications of vaccination history. So let's go with it. Continue. Yeah, so in 1986, when they passed this law um, giving liability protection to vaccine makers and to physicians and to nurses and anybody involved in vaccination, um, what they did was started ramping up the schedule and, and adding the numbers of doses of vaccines dramatically um, to the recommended CDC schedule for children. So from, let's say, 19, if you were born in the 40s, you probably got three vaccines in childhood. If you were born in the 50s, you probably got three to ten doses of vaccines in childhood. If you were born in the 60s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, um, the vaccine program was steady, and there was either 23 or 24 doses of vaccines, depending on kind of when you were born. Um, and we, in that time period is when we really kind of got control of outbreaks. We didn't have epidemics anymore, and we seem to have kind of found the sweet spot with um, with, you know, we did not have a vast developmental disability problem and we did not have a vast, you know, measles problem or outbreaks of, of these illnesses or deaths from these illnesses like we had in the first part of the 20th century. Um, but after this law was passed, they started adding just a few doses every year. Um, the first one that they added was in 1988, which was the birth series of the hepatitis B vaccine, giving it to babies at two months and now they give it to them on the first or second day that they're born, uh, regardless of health history. Um, and then they started adding, um, Hib and pneumococcal and, and just a few at a time so that by the end of the 90s, we had the, the vaccine schedule we had did not even remotely um, resemble the ones that we had for, you know, the three previous decades. And today, um, where I, as I would have had 23 doses of vaccine, 24 doses of vaccine when I was born, if I had a baby today and in, in 
vaccinated that baby according to the schedule, that child would have more doses of vaccine before they were six months old by the time that I would have by the time I got to college. So the, the schedule now is around 70 vaccines and more if you have specific health issues where, um, and this is a completely untested schedule. And we give, you know, a two month old eight different va- doses of vaccine at a time. And there's no test on, there's no testing on what those shots do in combination. Yeah, and we have no way to test that actually. That's what's interesting. I mean, so let's slow down a little bit. I think that um, one of the challenges that parents often face, and I've, you know, I've got eight kids, so I have some daughters who went, oh, this is too challenging to think about. Let's just trust everybody and, and go ahead and do what the doctor says. And, um, you know, I think we, we're challenged to get the point across without having people go, oh, wow, this is so heavy. I don't want to listen anymore. And so I just want to point out a couple of just simple things. One is, when I was young, now I'm older than you probably, I'm 59, right? So when I was young, nobody was autistic, nobody. So even if there were some people falling through the cracks, which I was, you know, one of them, um, there, there was, you never heard of it. You saw it in a movie with Elvis Presley, that's it. So it was really not something you came up against. Um, now, if you go to school, you know people that are, are autistic, you see it everywhere. So if you jump and just take your mind and say, is this true or isn't this true? Is this science? Isn't this science? Is it? Just stop for a minute, take a breath and go, has it changed since I was a child? When I was a kid, how many special needs people did I see in my school versus how many are there now? It's really pretty easy to answer the question of whether or not it's really on the rise. And you'll see this in twins. You'll see this. I mean, there is just everything that is unusual in how we've evolved is is different now. So to question whether it's okay to live in this kind of chemical soup and whether we can adapt for it is it's necessary. I mean, the truth is we can't. We're not mm-hmm. adapting well. So, you know, you have to just take a minute and say, what can I do differently? So let's jump there, Ginger, because we're going to run out of time. And I don't just want people to go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I want to say, what can we do? So you, ha- you have moms listening to you right now and you have professionals listening to you right now. Well, there's two, and there's two things we can do. There's what we can do personally, and there's what we can advocate for. And personally, you know, as we went through the journey with my son's help, we kind of kept going farther and farther backwards of taking more things away and taking more things away out of his diet until I got to a point where I, I had this kind of light bulb that went on that was like, wait a minute, evolutionarily, we were never made to come in contact with these things, the things that they're putting on food, the things that they're putting in the medicines. So we made a rule for him and we said, you know what, if it didn't exist 300 years ago, it shouldn't go into his body unless it's an emergency because he's one of these kids who's sensitive to God knows what. So let's just roll things back and, and take things out of his life that aren't you know, that, that weren't a part of our evolutionary history, that his chemistry never learned to deal with properly. So I think that's a really good rule for us personally. How do we in our own lives live cleaner? And looking at our medicines, our food, our vaccines, our um, air that we breathe, where we're living, I, and I think it's important personally. As I've done that in my own life, my health has improved dramatically, even if I, you know, haven't necessarily, like, become real thin and a super athlete, but, but taking away little things here and there that 
that isn't supposed to go in humans that aren't actually food, even though they're sold in food packages, um, it can have dramatic impact on not just children with autism or associated disorders, but all of us. I think we, are, we never, you know, post-industrial revolution, we are living in contact with things we just don't, our body doesn't know how to process. Um, and as far as in the public arena, what we can do, you know, this movie Vax tells the story of, you know, because we have this dramatic increase in vaccinations and this corresponding increase in childhood illness and disability, um, the CDC was really, you know, in a bad place because they had put this huge burden on children and, you know, and had this corresponding illness increase. And so their job should have been in the 90s and the end of the 90s to say, oh, you know what, we went too much too fast do a good evaluation, figure out what the problems were, and readjust. They made a choice at the end of the 90s to cover it up. And it's taken 15 years, but now we have the research and the documents and one CDC official who has come out and said, you know what, we did lie. We have found links between vaccines and autism in our research, but we didn't tell the public. And who went to Congress and admitted it? And that's what this film is about, interviews with that, um, scientists, and, and because of it, now con- a few members of Congress are starting to take it seriously. Um, as far as what you can do on vaccine safety, Jason Chaffetz, who's the head of the Oversight and Government Reform Committee, because of this film, has now opened an investigation on the CDC. Um, because they, we need to be able to trust our health officials. Uh, we need to not, like you're saying, families get overwhelmed with, what do I do? How do I make all these decisions? If I can't trust the CDC, who do I trust? Um, and we should be able to. So we right. would, you know. So see the film, you know, take some time to understand what's happening and get your public officials involved because this is their job is to protect, you know, protect families and and little babies from kind of corporate um, corruption and government corruption. And we're paying a big price because we trusted people we shouldn't have trusted. And we have to find a way to be lobbying as well. I mean, one of the reasons this started in your story is uh, there was some lobbying that went on and bills that were passed that shouldn't have been passed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you you know, as parents, we have to get together. And you can't always make the choice that I made when my kids were young, which is to stay out of the political arena if you want to really have healthy kids, especially now. At least back then, nobody was forced to vaccinate. But now we have a lot of laws that are impinging on our choices and it really makes it necessary. So I have a question. How has it been for you as far as we have a huge division in our people uh, related to autism and vaccinations, and people are angry, and they yell at each other, and this is, if I fight anything, it's that. Mm -hmm. So have you had um, mudslinging your way because you're trying to do this good work, or have you been spared that? I know I, I have, and I, you know, it, it, and it hasn't been awful because I understand people on the other side of this issue. Um, first of all, not all autism is caused by vaccines. We have children, unvaccinated children, who have autism. So you know, this is not a one cause, you know, disorder, and it's not even one disorder. We have, um, you know, we have several medical syndromes that cause a beha- the same kind of behavioral outcome. And, you know, it's just kind of a, it's bad 
diagnostics that all have been lumped together. And so when I come forward and say, oh, my kid had a vaccine reaction, he regressed, we did this um, biomed treatment, he got better, um, and a per- mom comes to me and says, that's not our story at all. You know, he was not a vaccine regression. He was always like this. The diet doesn't work. I don't fight with her because I trust that mom knows her child. And I don't, you know, just because we both have the same behavioral disorder does not we have does not mean we have the same physiological syndromes going on in our children. And we can look at the dramatic difference in just their behaviors, and there's dramatic difference in their biology. So we may be, we're talking about several different disorders, so I don't think we should be fighting about that. Um, I think we should support each other. I don't, I don't want parents implementing um, medical interventions for their kids based on something that worked for somebody else if it's not right for their child. So these kids, you know, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. That's true of their bo- their bodies as well. There are clusters of disorders, but not all kids have all these disorders. You know, we have some with mitochondrial issues and some with GI issues and some with brain inflammation. And we have um, some that they can't really find a whole lot going on in these kids biologically that's different. So I don't know that they have the same things. So we shouldn't be fighting about it. We really should, you know, we all, we all struggle with the behaviors and the, and, the, and the pain and the frustration that these beautiful kids have to go through. So I, I really, I make it a point never to fight with other parents on these issues because they are speaking their truth from where they live, and I'm speaking mine. And I think we are, um, we're on the same page, and we, and we want the what's best for these kids, you know. We all love our children. So um, there is some, but, you know, whenever I get into conversations with these parents, I totally respect where they're coming from. And it may be that what their child has isn't physically the same thing my child has just because we have the same behavioral diagnosis. Beautifully said, and a good time to say goodbye. Um, Ginger, first of all, before we hang up, I want you to go ahead and tell everybody how to find you, how to follow you, how to how to contribute to whatever you're doing. Just share a little bit of that, and then just one last word of wisdom to everybody. Sure. Um, I, my personal blog is adventuresinautism.com. You can always reach me there. Um, find me on Facebook, Ginger Taylor, Twitter, Ginger Taylor. Google Ginger Taylor Autism. I'm very difficult to not to find. <laughs> All right, Ginger, that's awesome. And if you could just give one teeny piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, you know what? I, my boy is beautiful. All the hardship, all the struggle, all the stress, Every day I have to stop and take a deep breath and hug him and just remember to enjoy him in those moments where I get his attention. So, you know, love him and take a moment and always make sure that you're not just the case manager but the mommy who gets to enjoy the baby. Oh, I like that. All right, Ginger, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Do you know where um, – how can people see Vax? Do you know? Well, Vax is actually has moving around the country, but they have a new um, program that they just came out with um, this week, VaxToTheMovie.com is the website to see where it's showing. But they're doing a new um, program through Gather that is – so basically if, if you want uh, the movie in your town, you can go on the website and put it up there. If you're in Albuquerque, for example, um, put that out there. And once they have sold – um, you know, 70 tickets for such and such a uh, theater in Albuquerque, then they will run it there. So people have been able to generate their own showings where they can't get it necessarily for two weeks in a movie theater. So go to VaxTheMovie.com and look for their, their Gather program. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm glad I asked. All right. Thank you for being here. We'll have you back another time. Thank you. All right, Ginger. And that was Ginger Taylor. 
She's uh, healthchoice.org, but like she said, Ginger Taylor Autism, you can find her anywhere. She's well-spoken, she's informed, and she knows what she believes. And I love that in a woman, and especially in a mom. If you're a mom, you got to know your child and your story because your story gives you sort of the evidence. It's like the, it's the pointer to what you have to do. There are so many choices. There really are. There are so many therapies. There are so many people targeting you to try to get your money. So make sure that the thing that you hire or buy or, you know, get involved in is the thing that matches your story, not just because it had the biggest, loudest uh, voice on the internet, okay? And speaking of stories, it is time for Stories from the road. I'm going to stay in the theme for a minute. There's, um, I've mentioned before about my granddaughters, the twins, but I want to preface that. So I adopted kids, and I adopted them with diagnoses. So I never had that moment where you go, oh, they're A, and now they're B. I, they were always special, and well, all kids are special, but they were always gifted with their variety of brain difference. So they had fetal alcohol syndrome, they had child abuse, they had neglect, they had malnutrition, they had <coughs> retardation. Sorry, it's the medical term, get over yourselves with people who get all offended. Um, they had um, autism, they had, like, they just had so many things, and they had such huge, big stories that just giving them a safe place to live and grow was where we began, and I just fell in love with who they were from the get-go. So that's a very different position to be in. And then there I am also as, a, as an expert in the field, I'm going into people's homes, and I'm viewing their children in a similar fashion. I'm seeing you know, the kids and, and thinking, well, here they are, and I'm, this is who they are when I meet them, so I'm embracing that and just falling in love with them from where they're at and teaching parents how to do the same. And I think I understand. I think I understand what the parents are going through because I'm a parent, and, you know, I'm kind of full of myself. <laughs> at least that's what I discovered because there I am one time, and I'm working with this child who is extremely challenged, very angry, really hurting everybody, uh, lots of tics, all kinds of um, uh, problems in the home. He And problems in the home as in everybody's trying so hard, but nobody knows how to help him. He pulls a door off the hinges on a regular basis. He's, you know, he's just little too. He was like six years old. And I remember his dad saying to me, you can't stop him. And I'm like, he's only six. You can stop him. He's just little. So... I, you know, I go into the home and I'm, I'm doing what I do, falling in love with him where he's at and learning who he is and how to help him. And at one point, that mom did something that hadn't happened for me before. This was quite a few years ago because it's happened to me many times since. But she pulled out um, a VHS, if any of you know what that is. It's very archaic, right? She pulled out a VHS and she popped it into her VHS machine and she played for me the child that she had before vaccinations and then the child that she had within two weeks of being vaccinated. Now, here's what was interesting. First of all, A, I'd never seen that before. So I'd heard about it and I'd had empathy and I'd kept an open mind, but it was very different 
to look at it and and go, holy cow, this is a completely different child than the one I'm working with. But I still, I still knew that the brain does that, that there are developmental stages and at any point you can go awry. Think of things like schizophrenia where the onset is, you know, around between 10 and 17, usually like closer to 17, but sometimes it's younger. You can have a regular child doing just fine and then all of a sudden they start to have these weird peculiarities and and next thing you know you've got a schizophrenia diagnosis so i that's a developmental milestone or a turn-on point for that disorder and there are people that have childhood schizophrenia of course but i'm just using this as an example for me to say yes it's possible that your child can look like this and then have this problem and it be completely unrelated to vaccines so I'm watching and I'm seeing it and I'm, my heart is really going out to this mom, but there's still a part of me that's saying, you know, but we still don't really know. However, you know, maybe we should go light on the vaccines. But two things happened in my own family. One was that my grandson was given a vaccine in the hospital and that was unusual. So it's not unusual now. It was unusual then. My daughter didn't even get asked. He just got a vaccine and he was just born. He's so little. I mean, how could he possibly? His body's not ready for that. And he was the only one in the family that became autistic. By the time he was five months old, we could see it. Now, by the way, today he's completely normal, head of his class everywhere and, and above normal, actually, and doing really fantastic. Super nice guy, super accomplished. Um, and he's 16 now. So, you know, there there's not there's not always a bad ending here. There's, it can be a wonderful, wonderful ending, a great healing story. But my point is that that woke me up to, wow, that's a great coincidence, isn't it, that he got that and he was the one that was vaccinated and he got it so young and I've never seen it happen so young. And, and you know, so I thought, yeah, that was interesting. But still the jury's out, still the jury's out. And then my granddaughters, the twins, were born. And their mom is a little bit older, and they were twins, so maybe their immune system's already kind of tender. Whatever, my daughter, by this point, we're well-versed on all of this, and she's going to be very careful. She's decided to vaccinate, but to separate them out, to only give a handful, to um, make sure that there's, you know, preservative-free. She's done her homework and found the right doctor and done all that. And on the first vaccination, we immediately saw a change. By the second, it was a they will never be vaccinated again, no matter what we have to do decision, because immediately the one twin is toe walking, her head is turned to the right, and she's spitting, and it's crazy. You know, these completely healthy, completely capable, totally ahead of the curve kids immediately switched. Um, the other twin was panicked all the time, screaming and couldn't leave her dad's side. And so we went, okay, no. And I did neurofeedback, and because I had neurofeedback, I was able to change the story immediately. They were so young, we, you know, we had the tool, I had the knowledge. But for a family that doesn't have that, this is a huge moment. I'm telling you all of that, the story of the other child and the story of my grandson and now the twins, because I want you to know that Despite all of my experience and all of my exposure to autism, I love all my autism people. I love them. I love myself, and I had Asperger's. I love us. 
I'm particularly fond of us, actually. But when my granddaughters turned on a dime like that, and I had to see child A turn into child B, my heart broke on two fronts. It broke for all the parents I hadn't fully understood. And it broke for them. And so here's what I have to say. Being autistic is just a different ability, and it's a beautiful thing to love people with autism. You'll learn a lot. It's a great gift. But it's not a gift I want to give any child. There's other ways to get gifts in the world. They don't have to be this one. So if there's a way to avoid it, we should. And with that in mind, I'll finish up with one more story from the road. So I was um, in one of the Middle Eastern companies, or countries that I travel to, and I was working with a child who developed a really strong fever while I was there because while I was there, he got a vaccine. And the vaccine that he got was spoiled. It had been tainted. Um, the story is long and involved, and I actually can't share it, but I do want you to know that it's not just a question of medicine versus, you know, not medicine or corporations trying to get at you or, you know, the the government turning a blind eye or being, you know, part of the conspiracy or there's so much more than even that there's also happenstance you know when you when you choose to put something into your child's body whether it's the packaged food that was easy to get or the vaccine that was hard to fight or the medicine that you you know, your doctor just wrote, scribbled a prescription and didn't even look at your kid, or the, um, you know, the the alcohol or the cigarettes that you put in your body, and hence your children breathe in. Um, the minute you try to, you go to put something into somebody, you have to think about it. We don't live in a clean world, and we don't live mistake free. We just don't. So that particular story that I just had to skirt and only tell you the tip of, um, that child got very, 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 very sick and is still alive, thank God. But that was just a mistake. So you have to understand that all of this is one mistake upon another. It's our job as parents, as teachers, as experts, as caregivers. It's our job to say... I will not make mistakes that I don't correct. And if we all do that, this will change. So, no hate, no anger, no throwing mud at each other. Let's just be responsible. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And you've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers, and thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. 
You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to our Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. We're spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.